Good morning, Oana. Man, what an awesome time of praise, yeah? Amen? Well, first of all, I want to say there's a lot of faces in here that I don't recognize, and some of you that I do, so I just want to say, you know, thank you for coming. Bless you. Made a, made a message in the heart of Christ, not kind of bless you. Amen? And um, so, I don't know if m- most of you are familiar, because most of you inside there look like you're from Hilo, you're from Corner, you're from Big Island. You from here? But there's a place out in... Um, I travel past that place every single day, sometimes six days a week, and um, it's in Puakuloa. So most of you would be familiar by this place, by a place called, that uh, we know as the Mauna. You familiar with the Mauna? And all of that stuff that's going, up, going on up there? Yeah. So every day I pass this place, yeah, there's a certain part that goes from 60 to 55, and then we end up in going 40. And every time we hit this place for this, and it's like 40 miles for maybe like a five-mile radius, Hawaiians, fishing or not, I lose my patience. <laughs> I go into this place, can be one car in front of us, two cars in front of us, and I go through all of this stuff inside of me. My, my mind is going, hurry up, Hawaiians, drive faster. I got to get to work. And it's only for five miles. But me, being me, I go through what I go through in my head, right? Don't let me be the first car and get 1,000 cars behind me. Now the pressure is on. And I'm thinking, you know, I got to hurry up for this, mile, for this five mile radius. But you know what's really going on in this time? You know why I'm really slowing down? Simple. Because the speed limit and the law says what? Slow down, right? So, I got a question for you guys. So when you guys travel into this spot, whether you're from here or not, you're going to have to slow down, right? This is speed limit. So when you guys pass in this part, going on this five-mile radius, and you got to slow down for 40 miles, you guys know how much a ticket costs if you get, if you get tagged in that place for speeding? Anybody know? How much? It must have been the guy who got tagged in. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for experience. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's right. It's $200. Okay. $200. Check this out, Heinz. $200. Plus, you know more caught over here. You got to fly well. Go. Oh, thank you for experience. You got to fly well. You got to pay for the ticket for go well. Mind you, you got to pay for the ticket for come back. So you do the math, Heinz. Okay? So is that, would you say, would that be a ticket that's worth disobeying the law for? Probably not, right? Okay, well, check this out. Now let's get to the meat part of this. Let's talk about the fear of this, right? So whether, you, whether you're a so-called holy person, whatever you want to call it, Christian, and you are liable, you're, you're a law-abiding citizen, Oh, you're really just the type of person, totally opposite, the kind of person I used to be, never care about the law, but you're going to slow down anyway. So would you slow down because you fear the fear of consequences? Or would you slow down because it's the law? It's the right thing to do. So today, for those of you who are here for the first time and most of us returning, we have been speaking 
through the book of Nehemiah. Yeah? So I wanted to share a little bit about the church and, and our, how do we preach and our preaching style. So basically, we are an expository church. Simply means, hyperbolical words, but simply means that we, we take a book of the Bible and we go verse by verse. I don't know about you guys, but I like verse by verse. Sometimes you got to slow them down a little bit, you know. So sometimes it's a lot easier for me to understand. But that's what we do here. So like, as I've mentioned earlier, we're in the book of Nehemiah. This is the seventh week. We have been going through this um, for like about a month, a little over a month. I just want to go back and also say that we have been, the focus on Nehemiah has been about rebuilding this wall. Yeah. This wall is not just a wall, as we go on, and, and I'll, I'll recap a little bit in just a little bit. Um, it's very significant, not just to just being a wall, but what it stands for. So I pray that your hearts will be receptive, that you will not just be here to be here, but that you will be here with a hungry heart and a heart that's willing to not just learn, but to receive what the God is what God has brought for you and for you to learn and apply. Amen? All right. So would you please stand with me in the reading of the Word? If you have your Bibles, I pray that you do. And if you don't, thank God for technology. We get phones and we get all this other stuff that we can use. Yeah? If not, turn to the neighbor next to you because if you know mom, he or she should have it. Thank you, Lord, for neighbors. We are in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 7. Verses 1 through 4. Now when the wall had been built, and I had set up the doors, and the gatekeepers, the singers, and the Levites had been appointed, I gave my brother Hanani and Hananiah, the governor of the castle charge over Jerusalem, for he was a more faithful and God-fearing man than many. Verse 3. And I said to them, let not the gates of Jerusalem be open until the sun is hot. And while they are still standing guard, let them shut and bar the doors. Appoint guards from among the inhabitants of Jerusalem, some in front of their own homes. The city was wide and large, but the people within it were few. And no houses had been rebuilt. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would speak through us to your word today, God. I pray against all distractions, Lord. I pray against anything that will, will stop us or distract us from hearing you. God, I pray that you would do only what you can do to your word. Sharpen us. Equip us, God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And God's Ohana said, Amen. You may be seated. So just to recap the past six weeks, we see that Nehemiah valued his time with God. He fasted and prayed day and night, and he pleaded for the people of Jerusalem in Nehemiah 1, 4 through 11. Nehemiah valued God over man. He displayed his faith and boldness. Nehemiah 2, 19 to 20. Nehemiah valued the people over possessions. In Nehemiah 5, 6 through 11. As we exegete the text, as we break down the text, verse 1, we see 
In 1 through 4, in chapter 7, we see the completion of the wall. We see that Nehemiah was a very strategic person, not in just the way that he set up the wall, but in the people that he specifically appointed. In verse 2, we see that Nehemiah gave his brothers authority, or kuliana, to govern over Jerusalem because he seen them to be faithful and God-fearing men. In verse 3, we see Nehemiah specifically again giving instruction to them about the gates, that the gates should be open and closed and who to guard the gates. In verse 4, even though the people were few, they were capable of accomplishing the completion of the wall that was wide and large. We see that the people were so committed that they built the wall and the temple before they built their own homes. Our main text today, the heart of the message today, comes from verse 2. Our sermon title today is called, When We Fear God. And I pray, people, I pray you never just walk into here just for take up space. I pray that you came hungry. That more than change that you came to seek the one that gave you life. Now whether you believe that or not, it's not my job to convince you. It's the Holy Spirit. Amen? So again in verse 2, I want to give you two definitions of this word fear. In, in the Webster Dictionary, Webster defines fear as an unpleasant, often strong emotion caused by anticipation or awareness of danger. In the Strong's Concordance, let me get Greek on you. The Greek word for the fear of God is theos hibia, which means to fear God at its highest reverence in godliness. Or in what we would say in easy words, respect. The problem today is that we don't fear God. We fear everything else but God. Going back to the Paul Kaloa story. Yeah? Do you fear the consequences? Or do you abide because God calls you to abide? Now let's see what scripture says about fear in the sense of the fear of God. Today we have two truths. The first truth is this. That when we fear God, we will live for Him alone. When we fear God, fear God, we will walk in His ways. Deuteronomy 8, 6 tells us, So you shall keep my commandments of the Lord, your God. By walking in His ways and by fearing Him. Psalms 37, 23 tells us that the steps of a man are established by the Lord. When He delights in his way. When we fear God, we will love him. Matthew 22, verse 37 says, And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Mark 12, 30 says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, 
with all your mind and with all your strength. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, and whatever is what? Whatever. Work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. How many of you get jobs in here? And those of you who know more your hands up, you still get a job. Because either you're taking somebody's kids, taking care of somebody's kids, or your own kids, or taking care of yourself. That's a job. Okay? You got that, babe. Okay? In, in relation to that, let me ask you this. Why do you go to work every day? Why? Do you go to work for get paid? Is that the first priority for you? Yeah, no? What? Okay? You remember when you first got the job? You first got hired. How excited you was to go to the job. That it wasn't just about the pay. It was about the people and the opportunity you had to love people, to be with people, and all of these other stuff. Okay? Where am I going with this? So my job, my boss, if you're watching, I love you, Wayne, but it is what it is. Okay, so I meet my boss, I get to the job, everything's good, we're doing this for a couple months, I've been there like nine months, and um, so after a while, things start to change just a little bit, yeah? You know what? The longer you spend time with people, the longer you are around people, you start seeing people's what? Bad what? Habits. Or you see different sides, yeah? That's just people. That's people, okay? So... Let me just put it in a way we can understand. My boss, he talked crazy. I mean, he talked crazy, right? Yeah. Eh, eh, come here, come here. Eh, go do this, go do that. Well, after a while, I kind of, you know, I'm not going to lie. I don't let him talk to me now. So, the heart of, the, of this part of what I'm trying to talk about was I lost the fear of reverence. Did it really matter if the boss was talking crazy? Not really. You know why? Because he's the boss. If you talk to me however you like, just, just pay me. Take care of my family, right? Well, that's what it's going to come down to. If not, I leave the job. Okay? But I want to kind of shift this just a little bit. The last scripture, this last passage in Colossians 3, 23. After you start, you go to work, boom, you see this guy. You know, before you even get to the job, you can see this guy. You don't like be there already. As fast as you clock in, you like clock out. No, that's not you guys. Get right on. No worries. That's just me then. Okay? But the hard check in this is when we fear God and we respect God and we love God and we serve God. Your heart starts to change and your heart gets broken for people. You get this word that we call empathy, not sympathy. You don't feel sorry for them in that sense, but you feel empathetic for them. The way Christ feels empathy for you as a sinner, that you will keep on continuously falling back like a dog to his vomit over and over. But God would love you forgive you continuously. So, shifting that back now, 
having the heart to come to God and say, God, forgive me. And that's just one illustration of using a job. But just in life, people in general, when you love people, you cannot love people outside of loving people from loving Christ first. Amen? As we move on, truth number two, when we fear God, we will submit to those that God has placed above us. That's the, that's the shifting back of what I just talked about. And the shifting back is not shifting in your mind. It's shifting the heart. God, help me for make porno. Not with the boss first, not with the person first, with you first, Lord. That's the part as we continuously talk about repentance. We see truth number two is when we fear God, we will submit to those that God has placed above us. And this is in the will of God. In Romans 13, 1 and 2, we see, let every person, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. First Peter 2, 13-17 tells us, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as a servant of God, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, and fear God, honor the emperor. So looking back at the text, looking back at Nehemiah chapter, I mean, uh, chapter 7, verse 2 and 3, I gave my brother, I say these two Hawaiians because the name Luke Hawaiian. I gave my brother, Hanani, and Hananiah, the governor of the castle, charge over Jerusalem, for he was a more faithful and God-fearing man than many. And I said to them, let not the gates of Jerusalem be open until the sun is hot. And while they are still standing guard, let them shut and bar the doors Appoint guards from among the inhabitants of Jerusalem, some in the front of their homes. So we see that he appointed specific people for the mission. As I said earlier, you see that Nehemiah was very specific. He couldn't have this game plan put together on how we're going to build this wall, who I'm going to tell for do what, if he never spent time with God. God's the mastermind behind the plan. In Ephesians chapter 4, we're almost out of here, Wayne. So if your mind stayed on there, around there, bring them in. Bring them in. Finish strong. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 13. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, 
the shepherds and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we attain to the unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God. As the meat to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. As a reality too, history shows that the people lack in fear of God. Not just the people then, even us as people now. History shows that the people lack in the fear of God. Here are five things that we see throughout Scripture. Number one, God's people continue to sin. Number two, God's people will be disciplined by him. We've seen in the scriptures, huh? That he gave them over to captivity. God's people are ruled over by Babylon, by Medes and Persia. God's people is sent back to Jerusalem after 70 years of captivity. Within the time Jerusalem was torn down, and you see that in Nehemiah chapter 1. And finally, the fifth one. We see God's people continues to experience God's covenant or promise with them since the fall in the Garden of Eden. When you look in the Word of God, you see two patterns. The pattern of God, the way God planned things out, things out to be, and then you see the pattern of man consistently throughout the Word of God. How man like do what man like do. Simple as that. That's the two patterns. But how many of you know this? At the end of the day, no matter what you think is good for you, no matter what you think you like do, if it's not in accordance to God's plan for you, it's not going to happen anyway. How do we know this? I had all these dreams and plans. You know about dreams and plans, huh? You know, you're growing up, you're thinking, oh, I like be this, I like do that. Are you this or that? Probably not. Where does God fit in in that? Where does God fit in in his plans? And I almost guarantee you it's because you don't fear God. Do you fear God enough to say, God, first of all, strip me from me. Push me out of the way because I've been in a way. Do we say, God, God, I don't know how to fear you. I don't know how to respect you because I'm a sinner. Do we say, God, I need you and I don't just need what you can provide for me. I need you. What does that look like? Teach me out. Show me out. I pray that that your heart will cry out for the only one who can restore, rebuild, help you. If not, just 
refocus because you've been here. But maybe to focus because you've never been here. I want to speak to two people. I want to speak to the person that maybe you just came today and you're just checking it out. Maybe you've been through other churches and you've kind of not found yet where you belong. So you're still passing through. Whether you know God or not, notice. Every single human being in this world will at least one time, I say at least minimum, at least one time, ask yourself, what is your purpose? What is your identity? Now I'm talking to the person passing through now. Christians, hold on. I got you. One thing that we can say is this. We all seek for identity. It's not my job to convert you, you out there. It's not my job to try to change you. God got that. God always had that. It's just to be faithful to sharing the gospel. And the second thing is this. To the believer. And if you catch feelings, know that I love you. But if you catch feelings, good for you. It's good. It's the kind of stuff that you want to actually really get to. Why is this bothering? And here's the deal. To the believer, power play church, not for it. The joke is over. Game over. I heard this by a preacher this morning, and this is what he said. It makes so much sense. He said, if you're not worshiping God, then you're worshiping something else. If you're not worshiping God, you're worshiping something else. What are you worshiping? Yourself? I know me, if I'm not seeking the Lord, I'm doing me. And the result of that was 30 years plus of being incarcerated. The result of fearing God and putting God first, it's never going to be perfect. For only God is perfect. But consistently, all these so-called questions you get about yourself, and all these questions about life, ask God. Ask God. Jesus is the answer. He's the answer. So finally, Exodus 20, 20. Moses says to the people, do not fear 
For God has come to test you. So that the fear of Him may be before you. That you may not sin. We see throughout Scripture three things. Three things that God moves and is consistently moving. We see that He preserves His people. We see that God preserves their faith. And we see that God preserves His mission. That's what we see. Man. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I'm not making this about me, but I give God the glory for everything that He has done in my life, in the life of those around me, my family, my beautiful, awesome wife, my beautiful, hearted kids. Lord, you know more hearted kids. Holy me. God has rescued and saved me from me. God will rescue you from you. You're not tired. I'm tired. I'm not perfect. Only He is perfect. I strive and I battle every single day. Every single day. Not for do what is right. But to abide in grace. To be a God-fearing man. The opposite of that is I don't care what anybody thinks. Well, with Christ, the heart changes. And it's not with that arrogance of I don't care what anybody thinks. It's with the heart of knowing that Christ is living in and through you. So what you do matters. Amen? If it's not going to matter to your neighbor, it'll matter to your kids. Well, it should. They get the number one life experience right in their home. I strive so much not to yell at my kids. (laughs) But at the same time, me within myself, it's going to happen. So I got to reach out to God. God, help me. Love, not my kids, not my kids, but yours first. Knowing the reverence and the respect of where they stand first. That's His. Your kids, they're not yours. They're God's. So God, help me love them the way that you love me. So in the God-fearing part, 
It's total respect and reverence unto God. So how should we respond to the text today? To prayer. To worship. To asking God with a true sincere heart. Not because the message may have probably, you know, got you emotionally, got you thinking, but seriously. Ask God. Not just I need you. But God, will you expose the sin in my life and help me to submit and surrender? Amen. So we're going to respond in prayer. We're going to let the, let the worship band sing in praise over you. And this time, let this just be a heart check. See where you're at between you and the Lord. And respond in prayer. Let us stand as I pray. Father God, we just come before you, Lord, right now. In humbleness and humility. God, first, before we even ask anything of you, Lord, thank you for being a merciful God even when we don't deserve your, your, your mercy or your grace, God. Thank you for loving us despite still being sinners. God, I pray right now that you will touch the heart of that one person or that person in general. that may have questions who may not know you at all, God. Holy Spirit, will you do what only you can do, God? Jesus, you are the answer. You are the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through you, God. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name.